to Beyond the Ring, a podcast that covers all things in the stock show industry from the informative to the insane, starring Ryan Rash, Doubt Kills More Dreams Than Failure Ever Will, and Dale Hummel. This week, I am neutral. Now on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Ring. This is Dale Hummel, along with co-star Ryan Rash. Hello, hello, hello. Ryan, I'm I'm glad to hear you. I haven't had a lot of contact with you this week, but that's it's good to hear you your voice. That's because you have lied to everyone in the world, and you, I, I'm going to tell the, I'm going to tell on you. So, <laughs> Dale, please do have at Dale it. said to everyone that he's taking a trip to Switzerland. I have decided he's lying. That he took the only three people he cares about in this world, and he moved to Switzerland because it's the most neutral country in the world, and he's just going to live out there forever milking a dairy cow for the rest of his life. That's it. So, you know, that I, I did talk to one of the locals and because when you, you see these dairy farms, Simital dairy cattle. Is I have been city. there, sir. I so know. I'm, I'm telling you when, when you see them, you don't see large numbers. And I said, well, how many cows does it take to sustain a family? And they, this lady, only said, well, you would I'm, ask that her uncle has 20 cows and they do just fine. How is, how is this possible? They don't need a lot of meat, evidently. I, and, and it's a dairy cattle. I mean, in milk oh. prices, I'm, I'm assuming they have to subsidize the, the shit out of things. I I don't know. I, I really don't know. But it, And I haven't been in Switzerland for nearly 30 years. And I only spent a short amount of time here when I was younger. But it's it, there, there's, there's, it brings to mind a lot of interesting concepts that that I I think that it's good just to, to witness. I'm not saying that we need to do some of these things, but, but it's, it's, it's different. When I, when I was I, there we, for three days and I don't ever have to go back. <laughs> you're done. I lost. I'm, I'm generally pretty, pretty out on Europe because I think the experiences that I've had in Europe, a little anti-American, uh, maybe a little jealousy. Go to Paris. More, if you think they're anti-American. No, I, yeah, I, I've been there a couple of times. No, I, I think that's what I was getting at is I, I don't get that feeling in Switzerland. At least I have not yet. That's um, because they're bored to death. All there is is a green hill. <laughs> they welcome possible. anybody. They I, make I have milk, seen... cheese, stay neutral, and look at the mountain. That's all there is. And maybe and I yodel. Think, I think cater to tourism, period. I mean, it is it is huge, obviously, and, and we've known this. But I've been through Zurich, Bern, and then through a lot of the countryside. I've yet to see a homeless person. I feel very That's safe. That's why obviously. they don't eat the cows. They eat the homeless people. That's it. Chase says that Chase says they house them. They have enough fallout shelters for 120 percent of the population. So they, they put house them in they the house the homeless, shelters? and that's what Chase researched. And he, he claims they made these fallout Chase shelters. Got to get a life. What is he saying? <laughs> We've got to like well, we, research. We had brought up that we hadn't seen any, and he he dug into it, and they said they make the the these fallout shelters. You have a valley, you construct the shelter, and then you bury it rather than digging a tunnel and all that, that work that goes with it, build it in the valley, cover the valley up until however many feet of dirt are on top of this structure, there's your shelter. Very interesting to me. Very, well, very interesting. I think whatever they're doing with the homeless people over there, we should adopt that policy because it's only getting worse over here. No, I agree. that the, And he says there's only 2,200 homeless in the entire country, which is not a highly populated country, but that's still very low, which brings me to just – we're always arguing how to solve the homeless problem. We have social experiments going on in every country on the planet. Hundred plus countries are dealing with this. Why not look at the ones that is working 
and follow that model? What would be so, what's so difficult about that? I don't don't know what it is here, but it appears to be working. I don't know. Anything's got to be better than us. You know how much. Yeah, I did. I did ask another local about this and I tried to do this. They don't speak English very well most of the time. And I, I, so I can only get bits and pieces, but there was a comment. I'm being stupid. What language do they speak in Switzerland? I, I call it German, but they call it Swiss German. Uh, a little bit of French. That's uh, how probably. much I interacted with people in Switzerland. I did not know what language they spoke. So, and uh, obviously in the tourism area, it's it's you can survive with very. I mean, most of them will have limited English, or you just they exactly. put a little number up on the board. You can make it happen. It's not not easy, but not not terrible by any means. So I I don't know. One of the one of the locals had made the comment that it's very difficult to get citizenship in Switzerland. That it's almost a generational thing. You a second generation person is about when you'd get citizenship. Obviously you can live here under a visa or something. And they claim that if you break the law or do anything wrong, you're gone. You're out of the country. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm it appears to be working. Of course, we all know that I like to stay in big cities when I travel to these shows and all this other stuff. But like, I love Indianapolis. Like, I really think I could move there. Like, I just love that place. And the homeless problem, it's, They've had some, but like I was in Indy basically for the better part of the last three weeks. And and I'm telling you, it's just awful now. Like, I don't know if it's what Indy's bad now. Yeah. I don't know if it's the wow. heat or what. Like, I don't, but uh, it's bad. Like, and I have not I, noticed it bad. I, I'm not saying I haven't seen any in Indianapolis, but in general, that that doesn't come to mind when I think. No. And I'm telling you, it is like multiplied, like by double so it's terrible but anyway huh. since you're living your new life in zurich switzerland and so he probably won't be on the podcast much more and i'll have to find a new partner but anyway i do want you to know that there are some gigantic shit shows going on here in the united states of america but now since you've denounced your citizenship and become a swiss person <laughs> great, that great. you know it doesn't matter to you but for those people that still live here so I, I'm going to get to Chicago in a minute, but the Beetle most Houston's offensive tough on crime again, the most offensive thing that has happened over the 4th of July festivities for me is that Biden sent out a tweet telling the gas stations that they need to quit overcharging the American public for gas in a time of war. First off, we are not at war. Ukraine and Russia are at war. Now you have sent them I don't know how many hundreds of billions of dollars. It's, it's, it's costing now. us like we're at war. It's, it's our, our, we're, we're flipping the bill. We are not at war. war. We are not at war. No one is aiming guns or missiles at us yet. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I'm saying yet. Secondly, you ignorant douchebag. 68% of gas stations are owned by small businesses or sole proprietorships, etc. They're not owned by networks or industry companies or anything like that. They don't make money off the gas. Where they make the money is off the Coke and the Copenhagen and the cigarettes and the chips and all this other stuff. This is how stupid and out of touch our leader is. And what is even scarier is that he has, I don't know how many people at his disposal, and they all thought this was perfectly fine for him just sitting that out in the Twitter world. 
of it all. You're, you're assuming that somebody's proofing this, right? That old man can't type on a phone by himself. No, I, I, I'm with you. So somebody else is doing it. Exactly. Wow. I don't know. I do not know. Or I, at least I am sure there are protocols that they someone has to look at it or all this other stuff. Like, I'm not sure. I'm not saying that he didn't have part in authoring this nonsense, but like, I don't think he was just up late one night and like stole his phone away and, you know, made this up by himself. No. Nope. I, I agree. I hear I, all I get what I can find for English channels and I'm getting the world or the BBC Boris Johnson, prime minister of England, I believe. Uh-huh. Yes. He's in trouble. Did you see anything about that? What did he do? Well, they had a, they, he was up for a no confidence vote a few weeks ago and he, he yeah, made but it through he survived. That. Yep. But now it sounds like the equivalent of his cabinet, five, six, however many, and there are two of the main ones have retired or resigned and they, they think the rest will soon all with the exception of a couple replace them. Fine. I, no, it sounds like he, I don't understand how that political system works. Oh, I don't either with the parliament parliament and so forth, but it sounds like with that happening that he, he can't survive it period. He just can't something about he, he covered up for one of his cabinet members. Or I, I don't even know who he's covered. He lied is what it comes down to. And, and he came, he, well, he our said, no, I don't know about lie every it. day yeah. and it's fine. <laughs> I get it. They they called him out. He said, "No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know." Okay, I did know. That's that's the gist of it, whatever that means. But it's interesting. So, so in, and I think he's. I, I'm not a huge fan. The little bit I see of him, uh-huh. but I'm, I'm. But I think he's far more more coherent than Biden, and we can't get rid of him. I mean, I'm not against him. I guess, like, I, I don't. I don't think. I mean, I, I don't know that much about him. He's he's. On the conservative party side, but doesn't appear to be very conservative. That's that's what it looks like to me. And it appears though he lied. I don't well, know. There there was one other thing I want before. I think that Chicago. we should probably execute him. Like <laughs> I don't know what we should do about that. I do not know. Ryan, and it was a long time ago that you were in Switzerland, I assume, or Europe. Uh, I was, I mean, I don't remember. It was like late high school. Yeah. I mean, it was a little bit ago. Yeah. yeah. And in we, same, my mother same used to like make us go to all these foreign countries and do stupid stuff. But so, yeah, we did it. But um, <laughs> the, the, the only part that I liked about Switzerland is for you Simmental people out there, you'll know this. But anyway, at the Junior National, if you win the all-around competition, I may have told the story on this podcast before. Sorry if I did. But anyway, if you win the all-around competition, then you get this big old Swiss cowbell. And it's huge and decorative and all this stuff. And so my mother was just hell-bent that I was going to win her, not win me, win her a Swiss cowbell. Well, I had come very close in several attempts at this point until we had got to Switzerland but not been first. So I found one in a gift shop, and now it was not as pretty and decorative, but it was authentic, and it was real. And so I bought it for her, and I presented it to her on the trip, and she called me a smartass. <laughs> Speaking of, of cowbells, I, I love listening to it, and every every cow here and most of the goats have them on them. They and wear them. This, it's it's a real At thing. this point, it's it's more tradition because they're they're not out in the big open range where they have to I'm searching for I don't care. I think it's and stupid and it's annoying and they clink I, all I love it. I love hearing it. So so what I did, I, I, I'd i find those that you found in the gift shop and I didn't think they were as authentic as I wanted. And the ones that oh, were I'll actually authentic. Oh, I'll send you a picture of the one I bought her. This thing is old and beat up. It's authentic. Oh, yeah. Well. Yeah, the ones I found authentic, they were like $500. I didn't high, say it was cheap. Very high. 
So what do I do? I, I find a local and I ask them, where do you buy the cowbells for the, the actual cowbells they're wearing? Oh, you wanted the, a new one. I, I know I'd rather have a used one, but I wanted, want an, a true authentic one. So I went and bought several at what they at basically a local farm store, much wow. cheaper than the gift shop. Still a little expensive, but much better. One last thing about Switzerland, then we need to get, get into Chicago things. And I, the reason I asked Ryan to see if you could remember this, but we, we landed in Zurich. We got our yeah. luggage. Easy to get, no issues in customs, probably as easy of customs as anywhere I've been. Again, we go to get our rental bored. car. They want new people. Yes, they want people. That, they make it easy. We get to the rental car line, and it's huge. Terrible, terrible line. So my family's in line. I need to go to the bathroom. So I had to, to go find a bathroom. And no big deal. It wasn't that far. I figured out the symbols. It was all, all good. And I see this lady, uh, like a, a lady that's going to clean the bathroom, heading for the same bathroom. I'm thinking, oh, she's going to put one of those little yellow signs out and say it's closed. And I had to go to the bathroom pretty bad. So I sped up enough to just barely get into the bathroom before she got there. Didn't think anything of it. Go into the bathroom and I'm standing at the urinal. And shortly after I start to go to the bathroom, I look over at the next urinal and what do I see? Her? Yeah. She's cleaning the urinal beside me, which is, it's fine. It just, it's, it's a different social culture, I guess. We go to a bathroom in Bern, the next city we stopped at, and there are no public bathrooms to speak of. And if they are, you have to pay for them. You can go to McDonald's and if you order something, your receipt has a bathroom code that you can push the numbers in to get into the bathroom. So it's a difficult situation even finding a bathroom. Chase need to go to the bathroom. So we head to the train stations where they tell us to go to the bathroom. And we get there and here's this glass enclosed area where you can look in. Here's people at the urinal. Here's people going in the stalls. It's just, there's, it's completely open is the best way for me to put it. We go to, to get into the bathroom and to go to the a stall, which either a male or female or transgender or whatever else it may be, you go to the same ones, which is fine. I, I kind of get it a little odd being from the United States, but I get it. That's all it was, of Europe. It's been that way forever. Yeah, and $2, two two francs, which is basically $2 to, to go use a stall, a buck 50 to go use a urinal. I'm out. I am out, out, out. Out. Same, but you moved there, so you have to pay for bathrooms the rest of your life. No, no, no. I'm, we will be back home short, shortly. Mm-hmm. It's been a great trip. I'm not not arguing. been a great okay. trip. So before we get into the Chicago of it all, I just want everybody to know that that January 6th witch hunt committee bullshit. So they they had this lady testify and say that Trump like tried to like assault FBI, P- Secret Service people, tried to like wrecked SUV, all this other stuff. No, by the way, she said up front that she was not there for any of this, but she was heard this from someone that was actually in the car and all this stuff. And so they have this, and they have nobody on there to, like, ask her, you know, where'd you get this information, all this other stuff. The driver, two of the members on the Secret Service team on January 6th, and the man that she said she got all the information from, they are all written the committee said we would like to testify because this is all horse shit. Guess what? They won't. Dale, let would them. you like to guess? They will not let them testify. They they, they know testifying. No, nope, nope. isn't they, that amazing? They, they they don't want their they don't want their. Well. So she's not under. Is she under oath when she's yeah, testifying? Yeah, she's under lying? oath. Yeah, she's under oath. So assumably, there's a penalty for lying. Perjury. 
but it won't it won't with Nancy. If they don't have the other side, it doesn't matter. Nobody gonna press charges. No, they got that 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 committee worked out, don't they? Two of the security details that day, including the one that she claims that Trump assaulted, the driver and the man that she said gave her all this first-hand information, all have said publicly wrote letters. We want to testify. This woman is a, I'm going to not say the word, lying. You know what? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I think you think that's accurate. Yeah. There you Tell go. me about Beetlejuice and, and the, the shootings. Well, Beetlejuice in, in my has area. not said anything that I know of, but it is very tragic. Yesterday, or yeah, yesterday, I, I, my days are confused. We'll explain that in a minute. But anyway, so Chicago has a parade at, at some Highland area. Do you know Dale Highland? I, I think Highland Park is what Park. I assume. Okay. See, I didn't, I didn't, Highland Park, where we, we have one of those around here too. But anyway, so guy like climbs up an escape ladder to the roof or something and he like opens fire. So far, seven are dead, 30 were shot, all this other stuff. They have him in custody and. Biden just like basically addresses the nation, says that we're taking your guns. Okay, sure, try that next. Um, I have heard nothing really out of Beetlejuice. I find it interesting that she nor Pritzker, who has now announced that he's running for president, basically. He hasn't. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Wait, see, you move. I mean, he has not made a formal deal of it, but he has said enough to know. That everybody knows that he and him and Gavin Newsom are both, I guess, going to run against Joe. Hmm. Great. <laughs> Two and total Hillary. flops of, of governors. And Hillary. Stepping but, up. Anyway. Um, I'm afraid Hillary will eat them alive. No. Well, it, I mean, I, again, I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. I, I do not know why anybody would want to listen to Pritzker. Look at He's a disgusting looking man. Gavin Newsom is attractive. Okay, this is all there is. This does not matter. But, I mean, I'm just saying. So, uh, I've heard very little from them. Of course, uh, the one question that I would like to ask Beetlejuice, but it's been answered. You know, she just made the decree that if you run away from the cops after you commit a crime, (laughs) they can't chase you. But they did chase this man down. They do have him in custody. Uh, the, The gun was obtained legally. He has... Lots of guns. Uh, evidently, he posts some disturbing stuff on social media. I don't think it was anything to the fact that he wants to kill people, but there was some disturbing stuff he posts on social media. I guess now they're all up in an uproar because after he shot all the people, he dressed in women's clothes to disguise himself as he left. Like, why the hell? What, what does that matter? But that yeah, is. That does it. seem odd. It's not like they saw him. That's the big man. point of contingency. Uh, but a terrible, terrible thing happened, of course, happened in Chicago. And I think the thing, and again, this is terrible for the people that live in Illinois and Chicago, but like a lot of the buzz on Twitter was like, well, look where it happened. Are we surprised? I mean, agreed, but, uh, I don't know. I, 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 this whole gun control thing, I, I don't know what the answer is. I've said this before. I 
I don't know if there is an answer because it's just like abortion. If you take the guns away, somebody going to sell them in the black market, you know, whatever. The people that want a gun are still going to be able to get a gun. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a good solution, but I, I do think that looking at, remember I talked about those social examples. When I think about um, Singapore, we were there a few years ago and almost zero crime because their penalties for well, doing something wrong. That's because they huge. execute you on spot. Yes. If you spit out gum on the sidewalk and there. Does that not take care of the problem? Uh, it's called communism. <laughs> it's, it's pushing that, but I think there's a balance there that we could be a little tougher on serious crime, not spitting gum out. But I think there's room for us to be much harder on anything. If you're using a weapon to, to rob a convenience store or attempt to shoot, I mean, those crimes should be, I'm not going to go as far as I, I would like to, but they, they need severe punishment. And I, I am absolutely convinced if they know that they're going to be punished hard, hard, that is going to be a deterrent. There is no question in my mind. I'm not saying it's going to solve everything, but severe punishment will detour some of this problem. Not I mean, not a person like we saw today. That that person is mentally. I, I don't know anything about it, but you have to be mentally disturbed to do what he did. Period. Well, that's the whole thing. And like I don't know. Every more and more after these tragic events occur, there's always a an anchor or a story or something that I read that it goes back to that there were warning signs on social media. And so, okay, here's my thing. And I, this is out there, whatever, but like, you know, Biden has time to put together some disinformation czar or whatever. Can we not like find a way with, and I'm not saying that this person can't post what they want to post, whatever you want, but shouldn't there be some like red flags where you might like go be like, Hey dude, you okay? Cause like we saw this up there and like, just want to check in on you. See how you, I mean, no. I don't know. That, that seems simple to me. Maybe it's being done, just not done. Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, maybe there is something for this that I don't wear, but if there is, it's not working again. I'm not for censorship or anything like that, but like if somebody is putting stuff up there, that you think, you know what, this guy may crawl up on a roof and shoot somebody. You might want to have somebody, like, go talk to him, see how they're doing. I don't know. It's just amazing. <laughs> but Absolutely amazing. Are you ready for the main topic? Uh, Well, no. I have some BTR jail stuff to Oh, yes. And I, I have a sponsor to throw in there. I'm I'm looking out at the Matterhorn. Oh, Pretty impressive okay. mountains. I'm, I'm a little distracted, right? You're the most distracted as usual. So, you did, did okay. I, and I didn't. I didn't mention before you get into that. You, do you want to know what my wife did to her family today? Uh, I'm sure something terrible. Terrible, physically terrible. So, so part of the reason for coming here was to no. Hike Holly around. is the only reason y'all went there. <laughs> yes, but it's been good. But she she wanted to hike as I much as Matterhorn your children. as you I'm not taking your word for it. Anyway. Oh, it, it was, we were on a four plus mile hike. That would be something you'd see on a, a mountain goat or an Ibex. It, it, it was slate rock, slippery. It, it, it beat, beat the shit. I, every muscle in my body hurts at the moment. Well, yeah, so it's bad. I'm going Very bad. to give the top 10 senior cattle exhibitors as of today. First place is Catherine Hash of Queen Creek, Arizona. 
Second is Mason Norris of Casa Grande, Arizona. Third is Taylor Newlick of Hugoton, Kansas. Four is Alex Ludke of Hortonville, Wisconsin. Five is Ben Dietrich of Hortonville, Wisconsin. Six is J.W. Powers of Malta, Idaho. Seventh is Jewel Thompson. I like that name. Opeka, Alabama. Eighth is Tori Chris of Union Grove, Wisconsin. Ninth is Wyatt Collard of Orongo, Missouri. I know I said that town wrong. And did we, did we not interview Wyatt? I don't know. Did we? At one time, maybe he showed a pig at Kansas. Did well at the pig show at Kansas. I don't remember. I thought I so though. Know. Maybe we did. Tenth is Lily Dallas of Norton, Massachusetts. Pretty wow. good spread. Finally, this is not all Shannon Stone's fault. She had her county fair and I didn't get the sponsor stuff to me right away. And then after she got it to me, I was delayed on getting it put up. But we got it put up. We are very thankful to Shannon Stone and ICSB NorCal, who has graciously agreed to be the Region 1 sheep sponsor. And that means that all of Region 1, even though I might have had to like yell at y'all a lot, is sponsored for 2022. And we are very appreciative of her. ISB NorCal is one of the largest canine semen freezing centers and reproductive centers in this country. They are also one of the top five import-export companies for frozen semen as well. ICSB's goal is to help canine breeders achieve healthy and successful litters, and they are willing and able to assist you in any reproduction breeding needs. As well as their canine reproduction freezing center, they also established Fox Fair Farms LLC in 2021, and they are a small family-owned sheep breeding farm concentrating on high-quality show stock for youth in the livestock industry. They are staunch supporters of the kids in the junior livestock industry on a state, county, state, nationwide level, and we greatly appreciate ICSB NorCal and Shannon Stone for their gracious Region 1 sheep sponsorship. Thank you. That that's interesting. There's a lot of livestock people out there breeding a few dogs as a, a side project. All of y'all do all of y'all ourselves. do this as a side do- so y'all y'all hit her up because like every yes. I swear to God, some days if I look at like social media, I think that all my f- livestock friends are actually dog breeders because I see more puppy letters than I see actual show animals. But yeah, y'all hit it, her it up. It appears as though the, the puppy side is more profitable to support our show side. I don't know what to with about with that. that said. Speaking of shows, is it hot in Texas, Brian? It is very hot in Texas. If I was Funny. going to a show this week, uh huh, what would I do? I don't know. When it's hot out, Ryan, it's it's simple for me. We either haul our own water or use Show Fresh H two O, and that is our sponsor for this week's episode. And we greatly why can't you do both? You can do both. My children do not like loading fifty to seventy five gallon buckets of water. They, they get go very to shows angry. Anyway. We do not do a lot of summer shows. We're we're obviously we're in Switzerland this week. We do focus more on the fall nationals and in, in Phoenix, and that that works anyway, out for us. Talk about your product because it is a good product. Yes, I, no, had, I had multiple people on this last trip come up and tell me that they use this product and they like it, and they they were very grateful that you alerted them to it. So it is working, evidently. 
Well, I think I, I just think it's it's that simple. It neutralizes the chlorine, and the animals are more apt to drink. I, and I and I'm one that's terribly anal about this water and hydration. And, and we do haul our water everywhere, but we're going to definitely start using this product, and it will make my life easier. And hopefully, that those out there that that are listening to us will give it a try. And, and please, if if you've not used that product before and tried it, and it, good or bad, shoot us a Facebook message, shoot us a text, whatever. Just just kind of let us know where it's at. But so far, the reviews have been very, very strong. Thank you to Showfresh H2O for their sponsorship, and that, that allows Clifton once again to get paid. Anyway, it is, it is hot here, but I want to tell a funny story. So I think I was gone 16 days this last trip. I can't remember if they kind of all blend together. But so I got home, or I didn't get home, but I got to Houston extremely late last night like i think we landed at like 12:55 got my bags and headed to my hotel because i had an appointment this morning in houston and so uh go get there at 10 or whatever and y'all know me i like my life is an open book so i i went for botox i'm just going to be real honest and so i sit down in the chair and <laughs> so this was the doctor's appointment that that you would gave me a heads up about as far as yeah, duh, exactly. I, I wasn't aware that's what it was. You didn't ask. I would have told you. I told you it's a doctor's appointment. He is I a doctor. I didn't want to get into your personal business. I I just left it alone. He's a doctor. Trust me. And so does insurance cover that? No, it doesn't. Anyway, sit down. In is the it chair. expensive? Yes, very. Anyway, uh, way more than your two hundred fifty dollars for your hike, but. Sit down in the chair, and he's like, oh, Ryan, that's terrible. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm like, I'm good. He's like, so are we doing the normal light Botox? I was like, no, I do not want normal light Botox. I want to be numb from the hairline down. Okay? That's what I want. I've got a no. really busy month for July. Um, August is looking bad, too. I need the works. He's just like, so this, this, this solves headaches, I believe. Migraines as well, right? I don't know about that, yeah, but it makes it. I, I've it, heard that it keeps me from looking as tired as I am. But so, anyway, I thought that was funny. I don't like the cost of it. No, no. it's it's very expensive. Are you ready for the main topic? Yeah, I believe the topic this week that you suggested is build better barns. No, no, no! Oh, it's build barns better. Remember, build, build back better. better. Build Back Better Bodies Plan, it's Build Barn. See, I come up with these catchy, cute titles, <laughs> and then you just ruin them. I did. I did Build Barns Better. I made a correction now. I've got it in my notes. We are corrected. So you're, we, we're talking about when you're, I mean, there's a lot of people that will build a show barn or renovate or make improvements, and that's that's kind of where we're coming into things. No, and I just think that, like, we should, I mean... I know lots of people that have either built multiple barns throughout the show industry career, especially if they're in this as a business. I know lots of people that have renovated throughout their children's show career and stuff like that. But I think there's just some basic things that we can talk about that even, you know, you can do that will help out. And I'm just going to lead off here. I think one of the things that we need to discuss that I think gets overlooked a lot is pesticide control. Absolutely. We're we're in we're in fly season in Illinois. I mean, well, in Texas it's fly season 365 24/7, but I mean, I and yeah, I mean, I think that if you really want the best for your animals and all this stuff, just spraying fly spray on them every day is not going to work. I think you need 
some type of system in your barn to keep all the pests away. Do you not agree, Dale? No, I, I do agree. And we just went through an embryo transfer, a couple embryo transfer weeks this spring. And during embryo transfer, we're collecting our, our bucks and um, extending out the semen and, and splashing with fresh semen. And when we're doing the embryo work, all those things, we actually shut our system down to try to make sure that our semen quality, embryo, nothing's affected. Not, I don't know that it would be, but I'm not going to take that chance. When we shut that system down, it is unbelievable because we go approximately a week or a little better without that system, and it's night and day difference. And, and what we did is put in a basically this large barrel and a bunch of tubing so it sprays over each of the pins, a real fine mist. But Chase did bring to our attention, he reads labels. Okay. Oh, geez. He says, if you get this, get this on you, you are to consult a doctor immediately, wash it off, do all these things. And every time we're in their chore and it's going off, I mean, we can set the timer to change it, but we're, we're getting hit with it quite a bit. And that's probably not ideal, but more so than, and again, I don't want employees or children to get fly spray on them, but it's going to happen. The, the concern that I have with it, and I don't know how to rectify this. What I've done is ours is on a timer. We change buckets fairly early in the morning, ideally about one in the afternoon, and then again at night. So what I try to do is predict when we're going to be changing those water buckets and give them at least an hour to two hours to drink before that fly system goes off. Because I believe obviously some of that mist is getting the water, and I believe that's probably inhibiting water intake. But I I don't think we could survive without the system. I'm sure we could survive, but the system in our barn makes a big difference. Huge. And I, and I don't, I don't know that a lot of people, I mean, we go that, that, those cans of fly spray, those things are stupid expensive. Right. And, and the system, I mean, it wasn't cheap, but it, I, I'm confident that it's saving us money. Right. And again, I mean, I, I think listening to you describe yours, is the same one that we have in our barn or whatever, our barns, excuse me. But again, I think long-term, maybe you don't have to have as fancy one as what Dale and I do, but there are lots of different ones out there. And I just think that this is something that, you know, just traveling to lots of different places and seeing lots of different setups and stuff like that over, you know, my life. I just think that this is something that sometimes gets overlooked too much. And so that was one of the things that I wanted to bring up is I think you should have some type of system for pesticide or fly control. And I, and I agree with that. I think that most people are probably going out with those spray cans and not only spraying the livestock, but I can remember before we had our system, I'd go through a can or two morning and night just spraying the barn, literally. And I think they were close to 20 bucks a can. I mean, it was, it was, it was costly. No, no question. So I would agree. I think there's, there's a lot of people that would save themselves money. The animals would be more comfortable. Um, my my only concern is obviously when we're doing the flush work and then just when the fly spray gets in the water buckets, we I think we're reducing water intake. So we try to set the timer accordingly and, and go from there. I have one, Ryan, that maybe is too simple. Maybe everybody already has that, but I, I do go to barns sometimes. And I understand that I'm going to go to some bars. things. <laughs> I go to, I did the, yes, this will be a barn, not a bar. Mm, mm. Um some of these things are going to be expensive and all budgets aren't going to allow that. So I'm, I'm going to try to cover as much as I can. And you, you kind of pick and choose what the biggest bang for your buck is. But if you're in the process of building or renovating a show barn, I think 
replacing any gates definitely go with on, on the pigs, sheep and, and goats and, and cattle as well. Um, I guess you could, but, but ours are not with cattle. It just isn't as common, but vertical bars on our small animals, not necessarily on our cattle, but the goats and sheep, they're constantly wanting to stand up on those bars and occasionally slipping a foot through there. Same thing with the pigs. I think we, we get along much better with vertical bars for our show pens. No question. I've never thought about that, but I think that's a very wise idea. They they just they're they're less likely to get injured. I know they like standing up on the on the horizontal bars and, and they look over the gate and all those things, but there just seems to be more injury when they, they're running and playing and jumping up on the gate. It just makes makes me nervous sometimes. No, I've never even thought about that, but I think that's a very valid point. That that's definitely something and even in cattle, which I mean I doubt anybody would do it, but there are times where cows get their heads stuck to the little things. It's a bitch to get them out. I'm just saying. Def, definitely more of a small animal thing, but but could apply it across across the board. I I, I was going to throw in there a ventilation system, exhaust fan of some sort, depending on the the barn. Yep, you got to have some type of cooling system, um, fans, whatever. What what do you do at your Casa de Grande there in Illinois? Of it all. And, and we, we have exhaust fans that will actually pull quite a bit of air out. That's more for when we close it up and are heating the building in winter. So we're heating the, the building and then taking all the heat right out. So it's, it's a battle. But uh, we also have ceiling fans. And I, I didn't buy the great big ones that I see in some of the show rings and some of the other show bars. Those now. work so well. Oh, if I was going to redo things, I think they're, they're expensive. But I oh, think I've it makes heard a they're the most expensive. difference. But I, you see them, and even in commercial halls and things like that. But I, if I was going to do it again, I would install those very large commercial ceiling fans. We'll hang fans in addition, but but that that would do a lot of it. I think one thing that needs, I think, just in terms of making things flow better and everything, if you can get them up off the ground, it's better for everyone. It's, I mean, I would agree, and I know that takes time and more money and stuff like that, but. We still have some that we used to use, those big, huge chicken fans, box fans that were on the ground But yep. from way back when. But if you can get a ventilation system, excuse me, I'm working on limited sleep here, people, uh, and have it up off the ground, I think that helps things. Less problems all the way around. Nope, agreed. And, and while we're talking about that, we don't have an air conditioning system. We have an air conditioner. We have a an office built into the, into the show bar, and we do have an air conditioner in the office area, but we do not have air conditioning in the animal area. We have it insulated. We have lots of air movement, and, and it, it works for us. Um, we have a separate area for a cooler room if we're going to be showing a steer. But I think with our, especially with goats, and I think we're good with lambs, because we can keep some air movement, the building is insulated, and it's probably... 10 degrees, 15 degrees cooler than outside on, on most days. So it, it, it helps a significant amount. And I think by not putting a, an air conditioning system in there, we're not having to worry about the acclimation when we go from the barn to the shows, just like you would when you're pulling a calf out of the cooler room and going through that process. So I, I, I depending on where you're at, you're going to need, you, you may need more than just air movement for, for some form of air conditioning or cooling. On the heat side in our part of the world, that's that's more important for us because we're we're going to get awfully cold. And in the winter months, I am a huge fan, especially when we have the exhaust fans pulling a lot of air out. If we can use radiant heat, that'll actually warm the floor, warm the gates, hopefully warm the animals. 
it seems like that holds to eat heat better than the forced air that we're sucking out right away with the exhaust fans and that radiant heat when you're underneath it. I mean, it feels amazing. And I, I, we have had very good luck with that over, not just in our show barn, but in our kidding barn over the kidding jugs. It's, it's been good and relatively cost effective once you get the system put in. You brought up a good, another point that I was going to bring up insulation. How important do you think that is? I think Huge. it's vital, but I think it gets overlooked. Yeah. And, and I, I'm not saying anything fancy. Even if you're like a lot of the Texas barns are kind of the lean to and open front, just even just spray under spraying the, the roof. Yes. I and mean, it just, it just so changes. It changes the temperature dramatically. Yeah, we, right. we, we spray foamed our entire show barn and our, feline breeding facility and did not do our house. And and that was a mistake. I was trying to save money, Ryan. Can you imagine that? <laughs> but, Shocking. Uh, but you'll but pay $250 to go on a death hike. <laughs> that was for the gondola trip up there. And it was, we were hiking at 10,000 feet, Ryan. And that, mm-hmm. that's not, it just, that was, that was a terrible idea, but my wife absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Okay. Other things. I, I had talked to my family a little bit when we decided yesterday this was the topic we're going to do and just some of the things that they like about about our show barn. And, and my wife, Holly, was very strong on having an enclosed feed room separate that, that you can shut the door up. It appears to stay a little bit cooler. The feed stays a little fresher. Just from an organizational standpoint and containing everything in one area and animals tend to get out of gates when I don't latch them, that they, they're not having access to the feed. So in other words, don't assume that we're always going to latch a gate and the animals aren't going to get out in the alleyway or into the other parts of the barn. It's a good idea to have the feed somewhere the animals, if they escape, cannot get to. Yeah, I think that is something that I'm in both the barns. We have a separate feed room area that the floor is concrete and you can shut it off all different ways. Both of them have, a, a, I guess, a garage door. So when we bring in truckloads of feed, it's easier to get stuff in and out. But I think that is something that is really, really important to have a feed room, not only in, like you're saying, in terms of animals escaping and gorging, but also, just like you said, keeping it fresh, even though it may not be climate controlled, but it will keep a lot of stuff out of there and keep the feed fresher than normal. So I think that is a really good idea. I wanted to talk just a little bit about wash racks because granted our barns are mostly for cattle but and i still don't think we have ours the way i want it i i I think of again if i ever get really back into this heavy i think that i would probably start a whole new barn over but i i think the hardest thing is and especially for what we do or what we have done is we after I, you know, graduated and stuff like that, we still had show cattle and stuff like that, but we did not have the mass number of employees that we did when I was showing as a kid. And I think one of the hardest things in terms of cattle is a lot of times it's just you by yourself or you or another person. And so you need to lo- locate your wash rack very centrally to where you're going to house those animals during the day. So you, the driving them, walking them back and forth is not as much. And I know that sounds simple and stupid, but I'm telling you, it's a big deal. No, I think so. And especially when you're first trying to get those cattle broke, even even a goat, pig, just getting from point A to B early on before they're really well 
acclimated to the halter or the, the, the whip or whatever it may be. Absolutely not. And we, we were very lucky when we were able to centralize our wash rack. And I'm going to take a little bit further. I would like to change ours a little bit. We do have a instant hot water heater, which on goats is almost, we, we can't survive Pressure. No, no pressure washer on the go. No, but you need. I'm talking about. Yes, I'm, have- yes. So, so, so we 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 did. We were smart enough to get that in and decided that was a priority from a, an expense standpoint. And I know it's expensive, but when we're doing it, and it's more more so for the young sale goats in the winter time when we're having sales in March. I mean, we we ha- we can't hit them with cold water. The things would be sick nonstop on us. So we do have the hot and cold water. We set it up to be multi-species, so we've got a tie rail for cattle, and we've got a couple posts we can drop in. We can pull those posts out and put our, our stand in for goats. We can put some gates um, along the front to convert it to pigs. And it seems like more and more of our families are multi-species than maybe they used to be 20 years ago. Right. It, it seems like it used to be a, we just showed this species, but there's a lot of crossover now. So we did make ours multi-species. We did put the hot water in. Um, I think it's critical that you have a drain that you can pop that that top off or the the lid off and, and clean it easy with all the the crap and hair and everything that's going to get in there and plug it up. Put some put some thought into that or ask somebody what type of drain system that that they installed. And, and while I'm on that, we did not put enough drains in other parts of our barn, and we we only will will completely gut it out just because we don't have it empty very often to power wash a couple times a year but we're doing a lot of squeegee pushing the water out the sides and it's not, it's not that big a deal, but a couple well-placed drains would be a great idea. I wish we don't fill our water buckets in the wash rack um, because we have, I believe soft water going there from the house versus the non treated water, the hard water from just straight from the well and another, another faucet that I prefer to use, but we don't have a drain right underneath where we're filling those buckets. That, that would be, huge. And these are things that are expensive and I don't expect everybody to go out and build a new show barn and do that. But if you're doing so, or you can make some simple changes, which a drain is not a simple change, that's that's what we're trying to give you a push for. No, but I think you brought up two very good points. And before we move on from the wash rack thing, the only other thing that I want to also add is every time you think that your wash rack's big enough, increase the size. That's just a tip. Nope. And then that, and, and that's exactly where we're at, Ryan. We can, we can put a couple stands in there, but it's tight. We can only put probably one, one calf in there at a time. It's not big enough. And it, I think it, that's it, for everybody, no matter how many you have or your huge operation, when you think your wash rat's big enough, go just a little bit bigger. I promise yep. you will be better off. On the drainage of it all, I do not think you could bring up a more valid point. And I, I realize that this is something that is expensive. And but the more better drainage system, the more drain that you have, the way better off you're going to be. Because the simple truth is, a barn is going to be dirty. It it, it just is. There's dust. There's shavings. There's you know all kinds of things. And just like you say, power washing it, all that other stuff, or it's simple as you know wetting down shavings in the barn, all this other stuff. The more drains you have, the better off you're going to be. Not only is it easier to keep the barn cleaner, but it's just so much better in terms of just not having to do things like you're saying, squeegee water out, brush water out, all those other things. It's just 
the more I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell a short story. So I, I believe so much in this that when we were doing my house many, many years ago, and this was back, I don't know, I probably had four fitters living upstairs and I, we redid this house and I, I just telling my mom, I said, I do not want any carpet whatsoever at all. And she's like, I just don't even understand that. Because everybody tracks stuff in from the barn. It's terrible. It's whatever. I said, I want all hardwood floors and I want drains everywhere. <laughs> she's like, why didn't what are you talking about? I said, because then when I have parties, they, you know, wash down the walls, everything. It's fine. <laughs> she did it. not, she did not honor my request. Now I don't have carpet except upstairs. Uh, but she did not honor the train request. I thought like a couple drains, one on, on the bottom floor, it would be perfect. But she said no. But uh, Kind of like I a also, college bar. Yes. I, I thought it would be great. And, you know, I also wanted AstroTurf instead of grass. She didn't go for that either. But uh, I do think the more drains, the better. Love it. I love it. I've got I've got several more things here, and we're going to go with um, I do too. one of the most convenient things, and and maybe it's more because we're we're using our show barn that was built originally before we bought all these goats. It was going to be a multi species show barn. It was going to be an enjoyable, wonderful place to relax, play with a few calves and and pigs and sheep and goats, and then all of a sudden we bought a lot of goats, so it's become a sale prep slash show barn. But we have it set up where we can adjust pin size. We can put pins in for more pins, pull out the center gate, make a little bigger, bigger area that, that saves our bus butts when we go from bringing in a bunch of wean goats to eventually when they're gone, condensing it down and making more individual or paired up show, show kind of pins and make sure. And again, all this, this is expensive. So you have to decide what, where you're going to prioritize and how much money you're going to put into it. But our walkthrough gates are invaluable rather than opening that whole pin front and this also seems very simple, but sometimes we make the mistake. If you have your wash rack centralized, like Ryan had talked about, on one end of the barn, I would have the gates probably opening that direction. On the other end of the barn, I would have them open so it's convenient to go where those animals are usually going most of the time. Does that make sense? Yep. Especially when you're out there by yourself trying to move from point A to B. And and again, ours are more, it's more valuable when we have these these animals that aren't halter broke or chain broke or, or whatever when we're trying to move things it just it just works and, and flows much much more much better if you think about what way those gates are going to open yeah i i think those things that you're talking about like the walk through gates i i like that you have the ability to change your pen size and again we're, we're throwing out a lot of ideas here pick and choose what you know you think is valid because we understand that a lot of this stuff is expensive but we just want to give you a lot of options to make your barn better, your life easier. But uh, if I did have, if I ever do do another barn, I'm going to put that in there where you can change out the size of the pins, make them different, make them bigger, make them smaller, change the configuration, stuff like that. I think that would be so, so easy because I, I don't care, you know, who you are. There's going to be times where you have more and when you have less. I mean, that's just part of it. And so I, I think that is something that would be just a wonderful feature to have. No, that's been good. And, and while we're speaking of expensive, I, when we were building ours, I was trying to cut corners as best I could and save some money. But, our, but one of our good friends that, that's a, just a brilliant engineer and not, not necessarily a lot of livestock background, but just, just thought through it. 
and he was doing some of the the consulting on he was moving all of our he dug our pond, moved all of our dirt. Just any any decision I had to make, I would run it by him just because he was so good at it. And we started building the barn. He just walked through it and, and and just you can just see his mind is going through all this. He said, You have to put stainless steel wainscoting up in all the animal areas. It'd be so easy to clean, it'll look look nice, all these things. And I thought, Are you kidding me? This is gonna be crazy expensive. And he stayed on and he said, you just, you absolutely have to do it. I did it. And it comes up in the small animal area, maybe four foot, maybe a little more in the cattle area. It comes up a little higher, but I want, when we go to power wash or just clean pins or, or whatever, if we want to wipe down that stainless, there's, it's a thick enough stainless steel that there's no damage. They, they're not denting it. They're not doing anything. And just from a ringworm or disease control situation, most of those pins are going to have that back wall that's wood or even maybe put a sheet of plastic or, or whatever that is up there. But I, I would not build one again if there's any way I could afford to do so without putting that up. It sounds crazy. It sounds over the top, but it's actually very functional and, and probably money well spent compared to what I spent money on other things in the barn. I think one thing, and even if you have a barn now, you can you don't have to do a lot of remodeling to do this, but I think something that gets overlooked a lot of times is where you place the feed, where you place the water, if you feed hay, where that goes. And I think the reason it gets overlooked is I am a firm believer that these animals need to exercise to stay sound. Now, I know if you're a hog person or a sheep or a goat person, then most of you have an exercise program for that animal. Cattle so much do not, by and large. And so... What we have always done since I was little, little, though, is because cattle have turnout pens at night. We would always put the feed at one end, the water at the other end, normally have the hay ring in the middle. So that way they have to exercise to get to all of those different points. Now, Dale's going to say that that probably decreases intake or whatever but no i maybe just getting up and moving around probably stimulates water and so i'm 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 with you on this one it is done so much for us and any family that i ever helped when i went to their barn i would look at things and if they weren't set up that way i would say this is something that has to change it just has to because a lot of people would have the feed in the water right by there well then that calf's never going to move no during the night or anywhere else. And so I said, this has to change. And I'm telling you, every single family that I made them make that change, they have never thanked me enough. They said, this is done more than anything else that we've ever done. And so, and again, that's not a big change. And I don't think it takes a lot of money, but it is something that could really, really, and even on sheep and goats, I, just like you're saying, pigs, whatever. The more exercise, the better. These animals are so muscular and all these things that the more exercise they get, the better they're going to be in terms of their joints and things like that. So again, that's not a very expensive change, but one well worth looking into. Agreed completely. And I think it's an absolute must on the cattle side. The sheep and goat side, sheep and goats in general, particularly goats, they're going to make use of most of that pin, irregardless of where the feed and water is, just because they're bored and curious and 
playing those kind of pigs things. Pigs so, will not. They're like Yes. Yes, that's where I'm gonna get. I think I think huge value as well on the pigs. Maybe not as much in the sheep and goats, but on the sheep and goats, if you can increase that pin size, they're gonna they're gonna move around more. It just is what it is. And Ryan, and I, I haven't paid a lot of attention to a lot of swine show barns the last year or two, but three, four, five years ago, I was in quite a few and I'm confused and I'm sure I'm sure it works. And, and some of the best families out there are doing this, but we're individually pinning these pigs, which is great, but they're in very, very small pins, very small. And I just, I don't understand the reasoning for that other than to get more animals into the barn. But is, is there something I'm missing here? I, I don't know. I was just in a couple of months ago in a relatively new these people, they do cattle and pigs, and they're very competitive. But anyway, I was, and they built a, their barn burned down a couple of years ago, and so they built a brand new one. And what I thought was so interesting about their pig barn is, yes, everything was in individual pens, but it was just like I said, those pens were fairly narrow, I guess, but definitely enough for the pig to, you know, turn around in a circle or whatever. But... Water was at one end, feed was at the other, and there it was a good, it was definitely long enough where they have to, you know, get up, walk down there, come back, and stuff like that. And so I asked him, I said, hey, when you did this, he, and he, like, they were cattle first. And he said, we did it just because of, like, what we're talking about here. We think they need to exercise. They need to get up to go down there and get that water and stuff like that. So I, that was really impressive to me. And like I said, I just think that especially I forget that goats and sheep like to like jump around and do stuff like that. But I think in cattle and pigs that it'd be a big improvement. Yeah. But I, and I think a lot of people, part of the reason they can justify that the small six by six pins or whatever they may be is that they've got those pigs on an exercise program. They're out walking them right. once, twice a day, whatever. So that, that makes more sense to me on, on why they can get away with it. So yeah, a lot, a lot of good there. I, while you're talking about that, I, I have a system where we had the, the pins custom built by a good friend of ours that we were able to build individual feeding stalls that we can put, take in and put out of the pins. But somewhere individual feeding stalls, even though on our goats, we were pretty much feeding them in, at least in pairs because it seems to help intake with the competition. But there's going to be a time that we're going to individually feed most of our animals. And, and if we can have something that's convenient, to feed them separate from the others rather than trying to stand there with them or bring them out in the alleyway and tie them up to the gate. Anything we can do for feeding stalls, I think is good. Um, not an absolute necessity more makes it more convenient or just easier, but it seems like if we can make these things easier for the kids or, or, or more efficient, I should say not easier, we're more likely to do it right. And, and that that's important. I had another one written down, Ryan, we have automatic waters in all of our pins in the show barn but I have them all shut off. And part of the reason is that fly spray in the summer that I I think we'd have to go in there and splash them out very frequently. I like the idea of knowing exactly how much water those pins or those animals in those pins are are consuming. And I like the fact that if we're watering with buckets in the barn and we're watering with buckets at the show, they're more apt to drink out of it versus going from an automatic water at home to bucket watering. So in cattle, I mean, it's not realistic to bucket water for the most part at home. We, we do a little bit when we only have one or two steers, but I think an automatic water, but at the same time, I would want to offer them water in whatever tub or bucket we're going to go to the show with at least for a week or so prior to going. 
and again, I, I go over the top on this water intake, and that's why this show fresh H2O is is huge in, in terms of solving some of those issues and helping with that. But even the same color, uh, we, we're, we don't even do the same color bucket from the barn to the show. We use the exact same one. We'll take the same feeders out of the, the show pins to the shows with us, which is sounds crazy. You should just have a set you can leave on the trailer. But all of those things, that the more we can keep the same from a feeding standpoint or what they're drinking out of, I think we're just going to see more intake in, in terms of water and or feed when we want to get that intake. So we have automatic waters in our cattle barn, and I think they are the biggest waste of money that we ever did. And I will tell you <laughs> Great. what. Number, number one, they always break. Number two, we they're, they're not used. And a lot of the reason they're not used is because, number one, if those cattle are in there, the majority of the time they're tied. If they're outside in under the cover of our barn, but 90% of ours are in a cool room during the day. So it was literally for us, at least the biggest waste of money ever. And, and they always break on, in terms of our turnout pens, I am a little like you in terms, and it's not so much about intake. We have large tubs that, cause we feed normally in pairs. And because, uh, again, I think the competition is good, but we have large water tubs outside. We normally don't have those on automatic waters just because of cleaning them. Because when those things are so big, it's going to take them a day or two to drink it down after you fill it up, which is fine. But I, I, I like for them to be cleaned out. If you have an automatic water, it just fills it constantly 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 then you have to dump the whole thing out to get it clean all of a sudden it's a little bit of a pain so it depends on what where you want to have your vice you want to have an automatic water and those big deals and then you know like once a week have to dump it all out and clean it and start over or you're going to have somebody that will run the water hose etc i think it's probably about in the individual situations what is easier for you but yeah, I, I I agree with you, and it's more of a cleaning thing than me monitoring their intake. Agreed, and and I think even when we're hand watering, filling the buckets up, we'll take the bucket to the wash rack, rinse it out, wipe it out, rinse it out again, and again, never putting any soap or any detergent or anything. They're just rinsing with water and a little green scrubby pad to to make sure we get all the slime. So so it's good enough for you to drink out of, and we'll do that three times a day. And I, I can't tell you and and. Maybe it's a, a negative for us when we're selling so many goats across the country that are used to that perfectly fresh, clean water, and they go somewhere and that bucket maybe just gets topped off rather than taken out and rinsed and wiped. But it, it's just huge. You've got to do those things if you want to continue. I promise you that water intake and feed consumption are directly correlated. If you want to want to back them off feed, all you have to do is restrict their water, and they they simply won't eat as much. Just it just is what it is, or vice versa. We, we can get we can get that way, but definitely back down the water, we're going to see less less feed intake. We want to maximize feed intake, get them to drink as much as they possibly can. I have one thing that was a game changer in our barn, and this is something simple. Everybody can do this one. So we've, we've had, I'm going to say most show barns, Ryan, not all, and we could probably get a skidster in ours to help clean pins, but it's just in the sheep and goat thing, not not probably practical, just as easy to get in there and hand scoop it. But buying those oversized, really sturdy, durable wheelbarrows that have got two wheels up front versus one, and they hold a lot, 
Uh, I find I found one that I like, and I just keep I, I collect wheelbarrows now. I just keep going back for fear they're not going to make them, I'm not going to have them in the future because it makes such a big difference. And locating a manure bunker or somewhere you're going to dump that manure that's relatively close and convenient that you can still get to to, to fill your shit spreader or whatever up with it. But thinking through how you're going to go, you're going to go through and clean those pins and get that that manure stored somewhere before it can go out. And sometimes people go straight to the, the shit spreader with it when they're cleaning, whatever you can do, but put some thought into it and, and go buy one of those monster wheelbarrows. It just is what it is. No, that's a very good point. Uh, and again, this is going to probably be a little more cattle specific, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. And again, this is real expensive, but down here where I live, uh, cool rooms are a big thing. And I know a lot of people in the Midwest that have them too. For some reason, y'all don't like to talk about that y'all have cool rooms. Like, but most people do. <laughs> and so exactly. I, I, I don't know why y'all want to act like y'all don't when y'all have them, but it, it, I don't know. It's a Midwest thing. But anyway, a cool room there is from the, you know, grande, grande deal where you have the people come in and, you know, do all the things. And then there's people that put window units in, you know, enclosed areas and stuff like that. Uh, the the only thing that I'm going to say on cold rooms is we have three. I'm not going to lie, but uh, I, I and again I still don't think I've got it right yet. But I think maybe one more try I could. This is bad topic. It makes me want to build a new barn, but I don't need to. But I think ventilation is key, and I'm talking about just from an ammonia standpoint. I think the other thing that gets overlooked a lot in terms of cold room is you're keeping these animals in a cold facility to try to grow hair, keep hair, all these other things. And if you can make it to where they don't have to be tied up and they have room to get up and get down and just if it's just to move just a little bit around, it is so much better on their joints. And I know that sounds Again, probably pretty lame, but t- take it from someone who has a great deal of experience in this. I think that is a big, big help. And we've we've only showed a couple steers as of recently, a handful, I should say. And I I refuse, and we do not have a very big cool room. I went out and bought a literal cooler that I think was in a grocery store or something, a used one, and that was cheap. But to put the air conditioning unit and all that on was stupid expensive to get it get it hooked up and, and all of that. We only have one that's probably big enough for two calves. And there's it's a no-brainer. I, I cannot imagine the logic in leaving those calves tied up the entire day. It it just it doesn't make sense to me in any manner, from a joint standpoint, from just a mental health, a physical well-being, all of those things. I think if you can be afforded the space turn let those things loose in the cooler room let them walk around a little bit it doesn't have to be a lot but i i am with you 100 percent. shocks shocks me when i see them tied up I, I don't it doesn't it. have to be like a lot but where they can move mosey around just a little bit it, it's it's a huge 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 difference and i i, I don't know the scientific explanation behind it i'm not i don't i'm not that you know, whatever, but I'm telling you, it is a big, huge difference. And, uh, and so that was my two things on cool, cool rooms. And again, a lot of people do have them. Some of them are, you know, god awful fancy and 
way, way expensive. And then a lot of other ones are just, you know, things that are makeshift things that allow things to happen. But I think the biggest point is make sure that you can exhaust, keep some of the ammonia smell out of there. A lot of that has to do with cleaning them quite often. And then also making sure the bigger, the better. So they don't have to be tied in there eight hours a day. Agreed completely. Makes perfect sense. Well, Ryan, I, I hope that these ideas help. And again, there's, there's, I don't think you need to go out and build a new show barn. They're stupid expensive. I kind of want to right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't need it. No, no, no. I know I don't need it, but I kind of want to. I'm serious. I, I agree. But if you're going to make the changes, put, put a little more thought into it. Go look at some show barns that, that are, that seem to be working well or ask a few people and hopefully you can get some ideas from us. We certainly didn't cover everything, but hopefully there's some, some good information in there for you. I believe it's time, Ryan. Yes, but before we get to Dale's favorite part of the podcast each and every week, I would like to highlight one of their BTRJLA sponsors, and that is Rockin' W. Angus for being one of our national top 10 award sponsors. And Rockin' W. Angus is located in Waterford, California, and they have a small handful of donors and they've been very, very successful over the years. Brad and Cindy Worthington's focus is on raising consistent, high-quality Angus show heifers. They utilize IVF for the most part of their program, having both spring and fall. They typically market 15 to 20 Angus heifer calves private treaty throughout the year. Their main emphasis is being supporting the juniors who exhibit them in the Angus shows at jackpots and helping them all throughout the year, Brad has been the operations manager at Vintage Angus in Modesto uh, for over 20 years and has been an active member of the California Association, serving as vice president and president. They're both currently active in the Western States Angus Association Board. Cindy is serving as the Region 1 Director for the American Angus Auxiliary, and they love going to shows and look forward to participating in an advisory role. This couple is excited to have the opportunity to sponsor the BTR JLA. We appreciate all that they do for livestock kids throughout the country, but we really appreciate them supporting us as a national top 10 award sponsor for 2022. So thank you, Rockin' W. Angus. And Brad and Cindy, I, I, I appreciate that, that sponsorship. And I also appreciate these guys do a great job of recognizing the youth that, that are showing their animals and just getting them some. I guess recognition that hey they've they've gone out they've done a nice job they they do a wonderful job on social media getting those kids some of the recognition that they deserve for for the time and effort they put in so thank you Brad and Cindy for many many things it's appreciated and then the only other thing now that region one's done so region two and region four I'm screaming at you people now y'all have nowhere else to hide because region two one, and four. Three, five, and six are all sponsored up. So region two and four. Region two, we need sheep and pigs. And region four, we need sheep and goats. So We're close. We're close. We are close. Sheep and pig in region two and sheep and goat in region four. So if any of y'all have ideas of who might sponsor those species in Region 2, Region 4, message us, text us, send a smoke signal. Again, to be a regional species sponsor, it's $1,500. You get an advertisement spot. You get social media ads, all these things. And it ensures that for this year, 
there will be a full awards program in the region. So that would be top 10 in all four of those age divisions. So region two and region four, help us out. Now go ahead with your. Good. And I, I don't, this, this question just came in the other day. So I, I know I haven't used it, but maybe there's been one similar. A question for the podcast. Do you think the junior livestock programs across the country, even collegiate livestock judging teams, have a responsibility to teach ag youth about all segments of commercial production, including the meat industry? Okay, so I'm going to try to make sure I understand this question. They're asking if judging teams should have... I believe judging judging teams and in, in, in general, maybe your 4-H or FFA leader... If you're showing livestock or participating on a judging team, should you know more about the industry than just the show ring? You're not going to like my answer because I don't really – I think that – no, I don't. (laughs) I just don't. Uh, Again – I cannot agree with that. I I realize that, and I don't care because you're wrong. But the whole mate deal, like, it's fine. Take a class in college. I took mates. I was good at it. It was honors. And I enjoyed it. I really did. I really did enjoy it. I thought I was going to be horrified and, like, scarred for life, but I really did enjoy that class. Or if you're interested in that, there's mates judging teams, okay? Yes, there's mates judging teams, but let's let's tie it together. Let's be able to look at an animal and know where it's going to fit into the carcass world of things they do that in livestock judging no you they try to like push that on there yeah they, do you do you do you like when people are using carcass terms out in the show ring it has nothing to do with that i'm talking about when you're trained as a livestock judge we talk about those things like when on teams why would you not talk about it in the ring with market animals do you really want to like die on this hill <laughs> we'll make we'll make a whole episode out of this do one. you really is this the hill oh. you choose to die on in zurich's with i them, just okay? i just really think there's value in, in them understanding i say hell no to meets judging there you go <laughs> how much ribeye they they need to have a if i walk up to a kid that's showing a steer i would really like them i would like to think they know where, where this fits in is this one a a select quality grade, a choice, a prime, or, or approximately how big of ribeye or okay, how Okay, but they, they don't have a crystal ball. They can't tell that. They can give well, a guess. Should. I can give yes. a guess. Yes, yes, but it should be an educated guess. Okay, my guess is educated, but um, <laughs> hold on. So, like, but I want to go back to this hell no to me. Or, or even where the industry is with those parameters. Even even knowing where the industry is, maybe, and, and again, the show, I'm not saying the show ring has to be exactly where the industry is, but just some general knowledge of here's what a, the real world, what a market steer mm-hmm. is about. Okay. So I want to strike my comment, the hell no to meets judging, because I really didn't mean that. I meant hell no to this question, because like I don't think that is the 4-H or the FFA or a livestock judging team's coach responsibility. I don't. I don't think that's what there is. If they want to, that's fine. The meat judging thing, before y'all send me hate mail, I know lots of people that love meat judging. I think, like I said, I enjoyed that class in college. I enjoyed both the meats classes that I took. I think that a lot of people get a lot of good out of that. I was not going to do meat judging for several reasons. First off, there's that whole hairnet issue. Um, the cooler <laughs> issue. Like, I don't, I think they write reasons in meat judging. They do. Yeah, yes, I, they do. I have the handwriting of a serial killer. So that wasn't going to work for me. But I, I know lots of people that love it, enjoy it. So I'm not against meat shedding. Before y'all send hate mail, I do not think in the answer to this question that is their responsibility. So clarify that. Okay. 
We're going to we're going to leave that one there, but I think that's a good topic, uh, entire episode topic at some point. I will yell the entire time. I know that that's why it'll be entertaining. Uh-huh. The next question. And I'm going to leave the name out of this one. Um, I don't remember if they said we need to. Oh, that's always a good start. Well, it's not it's not a bad one. Actually, I think that you'll like this one. I, I do. I, I was happy to see this question. I heard both of you mention how you do not think many of the kids in the sheep and goat ring are getting a hard brace to allow for a better handle. They are not. On the animals. <laughs> and we did talk about this, right? Yes. But we need to reiterate. Continue. <laughs> okay. So it's a good question. Please explain this further is what their question was. Oh, thinking that they, they don't get a hard brace? Yeah. They, they said that they'd heard us talk about it, and they just wanted us to clarify what more so what we were talking about. That's how I interpret it. Again, this is going to get personal, but I judged two sheep and goat shows over the past weekend in two different states. So I'm going to say that 80% of the children that exhibited, although they thought they were getting that animal to push or brace, they were not. And that's just cold, hard facts. Okay? Like, it just is what it is. And I, I don't know... If it is, I gave this a lot of thought on the plane home. I don't know if it is the fact that maybe these kids are showing so much that they don't realize it anymore. The lambs and goats are so broke that they're just not pushing them. I I don't know what the deal is, but I know every time, and like I literally held a sheep and goat twice this weekend and all this other stuff, like you should be able to feel in your hands, on your body, when that animal is truly pushing and bracing, and when it is not. Am I wrong, Dale? No, it seems very simple. And, and so... You can look from... Looking from the outside, it may look like they're getting... I, I'm not saying it doesn't look like they're bracing the animal. No, I think... you get your hands I, on I them. agree. No, I think they they look like they're they're in the position, they're all that, but it's not happening. No. And so what I'm trying to say is in terms of correcting this, like... I know because I've done this. Like, you will feel it. The animal will tense up. The animal will push all of these things. So I don't understand how we're how that's not translating to the showman. But I'm telling you, it's becoming a pandemic in the sheep and goat world. It is. So when I when I saw this question, I I, I put some more thought into it. You didn't even tell me about this question. I literally no. ranted about this for like 20 minutes. The one time I talked yes. to you. I, I just searched this up here not very long ago. Uh, okay, so I, we talked about this before, and we couldn't figure out why. I think part of the the reason is that judges aren't – some judges just don't care. If they cared, they would those, those that are not bracing well would not get along as well. In showmanship at those two shows, half of my comments to the kids, whether they made the cut, placed, or didn't, you're not getting an effective brace. Yeah. And I could have said it a lot more, but there was some instances, like I could have said it to almost every kid, but there were a lot of, there were some instances where there was something else that I could tell them that would be more beneficial, more important than that in, in helping the showman. But I'm telling you half the comments, you're not getting an effective brace. And and just think about this way. And I I told Ryan earlier this, I, I try to explain it to the younger kids that if you just try to flex your, your arm or your bicep muscle, when you're flexing it and look at it and touch it, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's there. It's how it should be. And then just go to total relax. And it, it's, a, it's a night and day difference is what I'm trying to get at when you get that effective brace and when you don't. 
So I, I do not know. I'm going to say something that offends people. Oh, my. So the looking at it thing, you know why I don't think you can see it visually as much anymore? You want to know? I think those sheep are so freaking fat, you can't tell anymore. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Because and they're so fat, you would think you'd want... Yeah, you would think you'd want a harder brace when they're that fat to try to disguise right. some of it. But I'm telling you, like, you can't see the muscle, like you're talking about the bicep. Yep. They're so fat, you can't see a visual reaction anymore. I'm, I, I'm with you. So, yes, yeah, send me hate mail. I don't care. It's the truth. But no, this I, is a problem. It's a it, pandemic. It is. <laughs> Way worse than Maybe Bruno. it's just, Ryan, maybe it's just you and I. I do not hear other judges talk about this. No, and I, I also do want to say to like these 40 people that have come up to me and said thank you for saying to set the feet square on cattle on butt view. And they, you, you were right, Dale. Some people out there are teaching them that it does not need to be that way, and they are wrong. I don't care. <laughs> this is my opinion. You're going on the record you right wrong. now. You were wrong. And I will go do a whole nother podcast about just that on how the multiple ways that you are wrong. But I mean, I I probably, I'm not joking, like had 40 people come up and comment about that. And, uh, and several of them, and I guess this makes a not, none of it makes sense to me, but this makes a little more sense. Guy this weekend said, so I really appreciate your comment about squaring up the cattle on butt view. He says, my question is, do you do it for both steers and heifers? And I said, yes, you show cattle the exact same. And he says, okay, I agree with you. He said, sent my child to school. And she, I, like, just recently, she sent a kid to camp or somewhere. And they asked about this. And they said to not do it on a heifer. And I agree. I, I'm going to say again, you're wrong. Like, but, so maybe we are going to get back to where we're actually setting feet on animals. And now the new thing is we're going to learn how to brace sheep and goats again. It's like build barns better again. Brace sheep and goats again. This is the t-shirt. Maybe it's just progressing to a different direction that we don't agree with. Uh, Then why? Okay. Okay. But wait, now stop. I'm going to argue with you on this. So if it's progressing to something that we don't agree with. bad direction. Okay. Embracing doesn't matter anymore. Then why do they all stand there like. Literally in the splits with their crotch five inches up off the ground, acting like we're trying to get a brace if they're not. Agreed. Okay. I'm just saying. Not everybody does that, but some people. (laughs) Agreed. We've got all kinds of new topics here. This is good. Okay. The the next question, Ryan, I want to qualify it a little bit because it it may not make sense to some people that aren't directly involved with it. And and I'm sure you're aware of it with even, even when you were still helping some kids with steer projects. Most, at least the Midwest state fairs and even the national shows, you have to take some type of quality assurance test, quiz. We just had a question about quality counts. We did. Here's another one. Oh, God. And I, I don't even remember exactly what the, that one was. But so like like my uh, Katie had to sit down and do it by July 1st. So we actually did it on the plane on the, on the way here. And I, and I was watching and she'd asked me some questions on this. And this is similar to what this is and maybe the same question we had before. But obviously people are becoming frustrated because I, I, I think, again, I, I think it's fine. I, I think it's good to understand some of the animal welfare or some of the, the, the medication withdrawal periods, things like that. But this one comes from Kathy. I'm a 4-H leader that recently had her 4-H kids. They did it at a meeting. 
take the, the at their place is called the YQCA, I believe, basically a quality assurance program. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate the effort that that's being put out or the concept of this, she says. But most of the questions or some of the questions here, she reads it uh, word for word. Some of the questions did not seem to be relevant and were poorly worded enough that I could not even answer them. I swear to God, you did this one already, but we'll answer it again. Yeah, I think. Yes. Well, then we, we've had several questions on because this one just came in actually yesterday. So I know I did not have this exact question. Okay. What? What is it? She has one more sentence. What word? Who do I go to? What do I do to to try to fix this? And again, I'm going to say that you need to go to this whoever is in charge of this at the state level uh, in your extension program because I agree. Like I said, quality counts is relatively new in Texas. I, I mean, maybe like ten years old. I don't know. And I, I'm all for. It. I think the concept is great. Like I do think that you know having kids, people that want to be leaders involved, whatever, taking a test, all this other stuff. And I think by and large, the content is probably fine and the questions are fine and that the answers that you're supposed to give are correct. I think that maybe a fourth, it's just like this lady says. Either the questions are irrelevant or the answers that they give you, none of them are correct. Would you agree? No, I agree. And and, and it's... I think we had a question, Ryan. They talked about rough handling of, of animals. I, I don't know. I think they might have been talking about pigs. And they gave you A, B, C, D, and one of them was PSC, pale, soft, and escudated pork. What what things may happen because of rough handling? And A pig I, whip is going to cause PSE? No, this is the, I think they're talking about loading them the market hogs right before. Oh, okay. I was like, what? So uh, it just, I mean, the, the, the question I'm, I'm going to go as far as to say that the question was wrong, period. Not even, not just poorly worded. It was wrong. And, and I, I can't imagine how that happens. No, I I don't either. But I, and again, I don't think it, I, I think the concept is great. And I think overwhelmingly the questions are good and answers that are out there that they think are correct or right. But I do think just like in everything, there are some mistakes, and I, I, on more than one occasion, I have had, before we ever had this podcast, I'd have somebody call me and be like, hey, my kid's taking quality counts, there's this question, and what, and, and I'd be like, no, none of that. And so, again, I just think that the best thing to do is when this comes up, you need to take, find out, address it at the state level, because that's who these things come out by and find out who you need to talk to about it, send an email, etc. Be respectful, but point it out. Say, this was on this, this is the question, these were the answers, and either this doesn't make sense, this isn't right, etc. Because no one's perfect. 4-H isn't perfect, FFA isn't perfect, you know, nobody's perfect. And so, but I do I do think that it needs to be addressed when it's there. Agreed completely. And I just, just thumbed through the message. We've had this question or something similar. This is the fourth one. I think we, we actually read one on there. the others we didn't use, but we it's did obviously something one. out there. Yeah. yeah. Well, excellent, Ryan. I appreciate it. And I apologize that my schedule has been a little tough, but I, I think we got through it with the internet here and being out well, of country. It's going to continue all, to be tough work. since you've moved to Zurich now and you're six hours different than me. I, I do not. I do not like Zurich. I do not like Bern. I like the countryside very much very very good until next week be safe y'all come back now you hear